good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Well, in those opening lines that Loretta sang, she said, in this time and in this place, I remember who I am. And I remember a time I used to tell people, hello, my name is James, and I'm a recovering lawyer. I had some conversations recently with some friends of mine who are lawyers, recovering lawyers, or still practicing law, retired lawyers. And, you know, when lawyers get together, we can be a very cynical group. And we were talking about, you know, some of the hearings that are taking place. And we're pointing out that if you hire a lawyer, and then that lawyer needs to hire a criminal lawyer to represent him based upon how he's representing you, you got a problem. (laughs) we're going to be very cynical. You know, I reminded myself as I was talking with my friends that there used to be a time that lawyers couldn't advertise. Probably don't remember that because, you know, there used to be, because now you see advertisements on billboards, you see advertisements on the, uh, on the radio, on the internet, on TV, you know, all everywhere. You see it everywhere. But there was a time, particularly when I first came out of law school, it was unethical. You know, you could, you could be sanctioned for advertising. And then the Supreme Court made a ruling. And the ruling was that that violated the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States on the free speech. Now, that was during the time that the Supreme Court made rational and reasoned constitutional decisions. Uh, but uh, this is a different world to living in today. But that's a whole other matter. But I remember I was with some friends at that time, and we were envisioning and considering what our advertising would be. And we had this idea that we were going to come together, and we were going to get a former client of ours that we had gotten out of trouble, and, and he was going to be dressed up in, you know, to the nines in a really nice suit, and he was going to be on the screen. And then there was going to be uh, someone uh, behind the, uh, uh, the, the walls of a jail, and there was a bunch of people in there, and they were in leg irons and handcuffs and wearing, you know, the, the prison garb. And, and then we we're going to have our clients say, uh, now, I used to be in there. But now I'm out here. If you got a problem and you don't want to be in there and want to be out here with me, hire these guys. Now, we realized that we could, that was a little bit over the top because we couldn't guarantee anything for anyone in that time for anything like that. But here's the thing. And I bring this up because it is relevant to the talk today. That many people may be outside the walls of a prison but they're still in jail. 
they're still in bondage. Because many people are reactors dreaming that they're free. Their bodies may not be confined, but their minds are in bondage. Because oftentimes they're living from the past, past experiences, past hurt, past shames, past denials. And they're bringing all of that into the present moment and living a life based upon a reaction to something that happened in the past. And they're walking around thinking they're actually free. But if we're living based upon circumstances from some past, then we're in bondage to that. And if we're not letting that go, we're not expressing the freedom that we have. But the reality, we can choose liberty over bondage, no matter what the outside circumstances that we may be facing. You know, Nelson Mandela, who's my personal mentor, he wasn't mentoring me personally, but from afar, you know, based upon how he lived his life. You know, just for those who may not know, he was imprisoned for 27 years in a South African prison for his fights against apartheid. And after the 27 years and the legal wranglings, he was released. And they were interviewing him, I think, the same day that he was released. And during the course of the interview, the person who was interviewing him noticed that he didn't have any anger or bitterness or resentment as a result of being unjustly imprisoned for those time, for those 27 years. And he said to him, you know, I noticed that as a result of this, you have no anger, you have no bitterness. And, and he wanted to know, how is that possible? And Nelson Mandela responded to him. He said, well, I do regret that I didn't have a chance to be with my wife during all those years. I do regret that I didn't have an opportunity to raise my children during those years. But I remember this. And he said, there were a few very kind things that the guards had done for me while I was incarcerated. And I began to focus on those things in my life. And because I did that, I have no anger. I have no bitterness. I have no resentment. And although he was physically imprisoned, he was free. See, freedom is a gift of God. It's freely given and cultivated by our sincere desire to respond from the God center within us. And I believe this is one of the key milestones or mileposts in the roadmap to freedom. That despite the circumstances that we may be faced, Spiritual freedom is always available to us because it's a choice. And it comes from the realization that God is always at our center. And we're allowing it to be the activity of our awareness. And if we do, then regardless of what's happening on the external world, in our circumstances, there, in our circumstances, there can be an immediate and prolonged response that we have to those circumstances that is life-enhancing that is beautifying, that is healing, that uplifts, can even be dynamic. But it takes an inner strength to do this. It takes an inner strength to have that kind of freedom and not to react and not to necessarily go for what's popular or not to be bamboozled into believing certain things and living our life based upon others' belief and to stand in that presence. But we must make that choice. I shared earlier in the service that I had run across this, this little clip in 
on uh, social media. And the little clip, I couldn't find it. I was going to show it because it was pretty uh, amazing to, to watch. There was a dog, and the dog was barking ferociously right in the ear of another dog. And, you know, normally you would think they would be barking back and forth, but the dog that was being barked at didn't flinch. The dog just kind of looked at the rest of it, looking up in the sky, and the other dogs right there barking, woof, 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 and he's not turning around at all. Apparently, he had something else he had his mind attended to at that moment. Something was catching his attention. He was not reacting to what the circumstances were. And I believe that God has something bigger to catch our attention. But we must choose that. And for something to be a choice means that we have to be aware. Because awareness and choice are really synonymous because without awareness, we really don't have the ability to choose. We're mostly reacting based upon conditioning. So when we hear the words, choose ye this day whom you will serve, we realize in reality there's only one choice, and that is the unchanging presence that we call God. And all the spiritual qualities that come from this presence, that come from this force, whether it's love or harmony or joy or patience, or understanding, or forgiveness. Anything short of that is a reaction on the human part of us. And many people react thinking that they're actually making a free choice, but that reaction means there is no choice. There was a young man who was driving on a very nice spring day. He had his you know, convertible, the top was down, he was riding up the hills, breeze blowing through his face and, you know, the magnificent scenery around him. And as he was going up the hill, driving into his car, someone was coming in the opposite direction. And the person coming in the opposite direction leaned out of their car and yelled at him, pig, pig. He was indignant about that. And so he decided to react and he called that person, cow, cow. <laughs> And then when he's turned around, he ran smack into a pig. There was a pig in the road. He didn't hear the message that there was actually a pig in the road. And he reacted to what was being said. So the key milestone in the roadmap to freedom, we must always have a choice. But in order to make that choice, we have to be aware in order to respond from the deep place within us. And oftentimes, like I said, you know, when we respond, we don't let the circumstances dictate what we bring forth. And if we bring forth ourselves from that pure place within us, something within us is transformed, and we can transform the very moment in which we are experiencing. When those who have been around long enough know that, you know, an important practice, that helps us come to that place of responding and not reacting is that we must engage in that prayer and meditation or spiritual meditation and affirmative prayer in which we stop and we sense our oneness with the presence of the power and the love of God. You know, most people will, will you know, tell you that, you know, when you're in a stressful situation and something comes up, best thing not to react in that moment, but to take time to breathe, be present, because when we become still and focus on the words that come out of our mouth and the consciousness is coming through our mind, it deepens our connection with that presence and our reaction or response will be proper. 
And it can be a transformational moment, not only individually, but collectively. And so when we become still on an individual level, on a collective level, and pull our attention away from the world, the inner resolve, that strength, that character, that vitality, that vigor, that divine knowingness of the presence of God that is always there becomes our awareness. And when we move out of our, into the world where it's kind of fitful and crazy, we are different individuals from everyone else. And we can become a transforming agent in the world in which we live. Of course, that means we no longer judge by appearances. But as Jesus the Christ said, we judge from right judgment. And this is part of the cultivation of the inner strength and the ability to see rightly. I think one of the things that helps us see rightly or just test whether we see rightly or not is to ask ourselves throughout the course of the day, what am I thinking? Where are these thoughts that I have coming from? Because we generally hang out wherever our thoughts are going. Our life corresponds to what's taking place in our awareness and our consciousness. You may have heard this statement that says, oh, this is where I live. I live there. What people are thinking about all of the time is really where they live. Regardless of what they're doing or what's taking place in the world, they're living where their thinking is. So when we think maybe other people, that show up in the world, that are bothering us, pestering us, annoying us, we realize more often than not that it is our thoughts that are tormenting us and not necessarily the other person. I bring that up because I remember I was on a job years ago <laughs> and there was one individual that just was to get on my last nerve. I mean, there was some way of being that just bothered me. And I would be saying to myself, I don't know you, but I know your kind, and I do not like you. And I came to the understanding it was not that person that was disturbing me. It was my thoughts about that person that was disturbing me. I was in the prison of my own mind because we're never at war with another person. We're at war, we're at war with our thoughts about that other person. And oftentimes those thoughts hold us prisoner. But we are free to choose another thought. You know, I, I was at a chaplain meeting uh, this Monday, and I was speaking with uh, and it was Karen Fuchikawa, who was in that meeting, and she was at the earlier service, shared something that she learned from one of her spiritual teachers. And the idea of, of, of shifting our weight to the other foot. The idea is that if we have a lot of pressure on a one particular foot or leg, you know, we can always shift to the other. And we use that to say in the same way we're free to shift our attention on how we see things and what's going on and focus on something else. Because the minute we shift our attention and place it, then we can always focus on a quality of God and make that the activity of our awareness. So I realize that whatever a person has done or not done, they cannot disturb me. It is my thoughts about that person, that thoughts about the other people that have caused us to have that disturbance. But we have the freedom to change what we think. You know, in our human experience, we're all going to have ups and downs. In any given moment, we see stuff we call negative, we call it bad. 
We may feel in bondage to that perspective. But when we exercise our freedom of choice, we shift our weight to the other foot. We understand that there is an idea behind every seemingly bad experience because behind the idea there is some unfolding perfection in life. And then we're able to say it's all good because it's all God. Because we are always free from the belief there is some opposing power to this presence of God that's out to get us. And we know that within every seeming crisis is an opportunity for more good to show up. Now, I recall when I was in uh, my mid-30s, you know, you know, one August day, I had an opportunity to begin again. I was uh, checked out into a substance abuse center. You know, I had been there for a couple of months at that time and was coming back from a very precipitous downfall in life. It was extremely challenging. I didn't realize it at the time, but events took place in that place called Concept House. And it turned about to be a very critical turning point in my life. I think among other things, it was the first time I practiced in-depth self-examination. It was a time I was able to engage in more self-assessment. My perception of who I am and the reality of life took a dramatic turn. And over time, I began to take my power back. I slowly released myself from my self-imposed bondage to a belief my life was over. That's what I was believing. But my transformational journey began right there. And it was a time I was introduced to unity and new thought philosophy, which I always say is not new. It's just, you know, new to those who are an old way of thought. But I thought my life was terrible. I was bad. I made a bunch of mistakes along the way, and I was saying things like, I wish I hadn't done what I had done. I wish I didn't know. I wish I knew what I now, what I knew then, and I wouldn't have done it. And along the way, I did not know what blessings were being born at that particular tapestry that was being woven in my life at that time. I did not know what was being birthed. Something new was being emerged in my life. You know, there was a, a man who went to the hospital with his wife to have a baby. And uh, you know, he had Liz here talking about uh, the doulas and kind of reminded me of that story. And he went there with his wife to, to have the birth. They thought it was just going to be a normal experience. But as Liz had pointed out, some people don't make it. You know? And in this particular incident, you know, the, the, the mother died during birth. And the husband was extremely angry at God. And he left the hospital. And he began walking, pacing through the city. And he did this for hours. And then finally he came across a church. And he walked inside of that church, sat back in the corner. And there was only one person there. It was the cleaning lady. And she was cleaning up at that time. He didn't see her. and I mean, she didn't see him. And you know, at all. He, she didn't, he didn't know he was there. And apparently when she was done, she went back in the back and, and she wheeled out a man. And the man was in a wheelchair and he had a lot of physical challenges that he was born with. 
And she started talking to God in her own way, talking to herself, whoever was there. And the man heard her say that, you know, when you were born and you had all of these challenges, I was mad and angry with you. I was mad at God. But all of these years that you have been in my life, you have taught me what it means to love another person. So I am grateful that you have come into my life. And the man that was sitting in the back of that church at that moment, he got up and he ran back to the hospital because he realized that he had a son that he could raise, that could make all the difference in his life. Something new was able to emerge from what appeared to be a tragic situation. You know, this weekend, tomorrow, we celebrate independence. And of course, independence began with the American Revolution. And it was a two-part journey. It was separating the colonists, England, and then the birthing of what would be something new. And there's going to be a little picture put up on the screen here. I would say people to take out a dollar bill and look at it, but, you know, most of us don't carry, I don't carry that much cash anymore. But if you look at a dollar bill, you see that it has a great seal of the U.S. on the back of it. And it shows uh, the Great Pyramid of Giza. And the Great Pyramid of Giza does not have a capstone. And the archaeologists and the Egyptologists, nobody knows what happened to the capstone. You see it kind of removed from the, the base of the pyramid. And legend tells us initially there was a golden capstone painted in blue, which is the eye of Horus, the eye of the Christ. And it said that when the sun would light on that capstone, oh, it would shine for miles around. And that originally was on the top of the pyramid. But the archaeologists and Egyptologists have not found that capstone. And there's a lot of different stories as to where it is. Some people say it's beneath the causeway, beneath the pyramid and the sphinx, between those two. But legend holds metaphysically and esoterically, legend holds that the Egyptian civilization at that time was in major decline. And the Egyptian priests climbed to the top of the pyramid and removed the capstone. And they buried it because they knew the consciousness had fallen beneath the line. Or as we say in the quantum living course, they were living below the line. They were living below the line of who they really were as people. And the capstone would only be retrieved when the consciousness, once again, that, that we, who we really are, began to evolve itself. And the consciousness that needed to evolve was that of universal brotherhood. The eye of Horus. And that's on the dollar bill. And it says at the bottom, I know you may not be able to see it, it says Novus Ordo Seclorum, which is the new order of the ages with that capstone that is on the pyramid. 
So the tales of Egypt say the capstone will return when universal brotherhood is made manifest. It will be made manifest when we choose to make it so. Thank you for that. If we choose to make it so. And that's why Thomas Jefferson said we must always recourse to ourselves back to first principle. There's a lot of things that I've challenged with Thomas Jefferson, but he talked about the order of first principle. And if we go back to first principle, we will know the bright constellations from which we aspire. You know, in our climate today, we say, oh, the politicians will say it's economic policies that are the issue, that, you know, taxes or lack of them are the issue, or regulations or more regulations are the issue, or whatever this are the issues. And all those are legislative concerns, and they need to be dealt with. But those are not the real issues. Oftentimes, that's nothing but an outpicturing of something deeper, mere reactions to external conditions. The, I, the real issues is what are the core ideals or the spiritual solutions which make up the great ideas from which the new shall emerge. America was founded in terms of governmental system in which much effort and willingness to be that, to be that new something. Now, did the founders manifest that? No, they did not. Many of them that signed the Declaration of Independence were slave owners themselves. Which is why Thomas Jefferson said before he died, I tremble for my country when I consider God is just and justice shall not sleep forever. But we can bring about justice by exercising our freedom of choice of how we choose to show up in the world. This teaching, this truth teaching of new thought is, is the teaching of the ages. And it says it's the mature teaching for those who are part of the population that realize that it is we who must change and not the government. It is we who must change and not the world. It is we who must change. And as we weave ourselves into the fabric of the world, bringing in the world this new way of being, and not being of this new wave that's showing up. When we begin to show up in the world, in this country, and in, in, in our communities, that's when the difference shows up. Because this world is always transformed when we become willing to be that change, which is a choice. To grow from God's glory to greater glory, we must become the agents of the very planet and the very country in which we live. For as we change, as we grow, as we expand in our awareness, as we identify with our true nature and become active in that nature, we become the vanguards and the possibilities of what society can be. We have that freedom of choice to do that. I say that America is calling us to grow up. America is calling us to live from the principle that is on our money that says in God we trust. For it is in God where the true power is. This is where the truth is. And it's the truth that liberates us and makes us free. And that, my friend, is the roadmap.
to freedom. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Oh